Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the Midnight Moon Astrology podcast. I'm Cassidy Juniper, and today is Sunday, November 10th, 2019. Today, I'm doing a deep dive interview with astrologer and educator Daniel Bernal. Some of you may have heard him guest on the Jupiter and Capricorn Part 1 episode. If you haven't, I definitely recommend checking that out. My goal is to introduce the community to some newer or lesser known astrologers who are doing great work and really becoming part of things. Daniel self-identifies as queer, currently lives in St. Paul, Minnesota, and runs his own podcast and YouTube channel called Queer Skies. You can find his website at divine-orbit.com. And now we'll continue to the interview. So I am here with Daniel Bernal. Um, We're going to do an interview portion with him so that you guys can learn a little bit more about him as an astrologer and as a person. And um, he really has a lot to share with you guys. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about childhood, growing up, um, where his esoteric influences came from. Um, We're also going to talk about um, careers and how that influenced Daniel as far as doing astrology and doing other things. Um, relationships and all those other good things that come up in life. So, um, Daniel, just to start us off, could you tell us um, what might people be surprised to learn about you? Yeah. So I had to think about my audience, too, because I'm like, what do astrologers find surprising? Um, uh, And maybe people don't, because I think a lot of people kind of started out this way. But I was very skeptical um, of astrology. I think a lot of us do start out that way. Um, I was a math major. Um, and so thinking about that very like analytical, like material, um, numerical approach actually fits very well with astrology. But especially when I was kind of getting into the practice and, and feeling like, is this real? Do I believe in it? Like, how much do I believe in it? That definitely that background really stood out as like, not something that um, you know, I, I, in fact, like the first uh, times that I started to talk more publicly about astrology on Facebook and stuff, definitely got questions like, well, I thought you were smart. I thought you were like intellectual. I thought you like, like new math and stuff. I'm like, yep. If only they knew how many doctors and lawyers and very smart PhD people are, are into astrology. Yeah. <laughs> and like... And, and now I feel sorry for, for those people who have like that limit, that limiting worldview that um, I feel like I used to have. It's like, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep doing what we're doing because we, we know that it is much more than um, something that is diminishing or, or minimizing or um, oversimplified or, and we're not trying to pull the wool over on anyone's eyes. You know, it's like all of that stuff. I've thought a lot about um, studies that try to get into astrology and like the statistical verification of it. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I might be interested in that because of my math background, but I'm not like, I, <laughs> I, I actually became a math major because I wanted to teach. I had a few, um, really early experiences teaching, um, related to math. Um, I was on the math team in high school, um, and, uh, one of the captains. And so we would always run practices, um, for our math team, uh, at our homes on the weekends. And so I, I, that's kind of how I got started with teaching. Um, the more that I got into like upper level math and the more I talked with my childhood friends about math and why it was difficult for them, I didn't understand why it was difficult for them. 
and why it came so naturally to me. I've got Mercury and Gemini. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but but that that kind of created some empathy within me to say, how could I use this knowledge to help people? Because I see a lot of uh, people struggle with this area. And so that's that's kind of how my interest in teaching got started. And now when people ask me what I do, I say, well, I'm a teacher. I don't say I teach math because I think people have like a, a stereotype about math teachers that I definitely don't fit into. Um, but I teach people like that. That's at the core of where my my interest in teaching comes from. I just happen to teach people math. Yeah, and that's so perfect for a Sagittarius that you're you're you know you're teaching people as a Sagittarius, but then you've also got that Mercury and Gemini component too, which is yeah. a lot more mathematical and technical. And and it's funny how much math and you know does fit into astrology. You know, as far as like you know the location aspects of it and the technical stuff. Um, you know, people who are good at math, if they're open to astrology, could be very good at it. Well, there's so many patterns. Math is not easy for a lot of people, um, but I can definitely see how um, you could apply uh, the math stuff to what you do in astrology. Well, and I and I um, so I've also got my my midheaven in Virgo. So Mercury rules my my midheaven. So there's another connection there with career. But it's also in my seventh house, and so I think a lot too about like how I am not just being analytical, but how I'm pulling partners into that, the work that I'm doing. I, I actually, before I even got into astrology, would always tell uh, my students, like, uh, we are not on opposite sides of the classroom. We're on the same side. We're going to try to tackle that math problem that's over there, but we're doing it together. Like, we're partners in this. <laughs> um, and and that that was the approach that I really took to to everything that I taught was like, let me try to empathize with where you're coming from. Um, let me try to share my knowledge, but but let's co-construct this this experience together too. I know the first time I met you, it was like the middle of the night, and we were at an astrology conference, and but you just came across as so Sagittarius to me, like straight up from the beginning. It was like within you know 10, 20 seconds of meeting you, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a Sagittarius. I love him. He's awesome. You know, like, <laughs> and you're such a good teacher, and you do bring that empathy. You bring that component where people feel comfortable learning around you, and I, I think that you know that's really helpful, especially since you work with kids so much and stuff. So yeah, so maybe that makes sense, and why people might be surprised that I'm a math teacher. Yeah, because you're right. I have met like straight laced math teachers that are like, you know, very by the book. And, and, you know, if you first meet you, you know, you might think of you as a teacher, but not necessarily math right away. So, um, yeah. so going back to the beginning a little bit, where did you grow up and what was your family life like as a child? Um, did they bring in any kind of religion or belief system or, or what was the general overview there? Yeah, so I feel like I'm slowly revealing my birth chart to folks, which is fine. Um, but I, I was actually born in Mexico. My uh, mom was originally from Minnesota, and she went to teach uh, in Mexico when she got out of college. She met my dad there, who's um, from the West Coast. Um, and she was actually teaching in Durango, which is in the mountains. So I was born there and that's when my parents decided so they met there um that's and then once i was born they decided well we want to raise our child in the united states there's more opportunities for education um so i pretty much grew up here in minnesota um i live in saint paul and growing up um there were definitely uh christian influences by my family in mexico is very much culturally catholic um they will go to church and and 
um, you know, they celebrate some of those holidays. They're not devout people in terms of like the practice. So it's much more about like the cultural beliefs. And in um, Minnesota, um, my mom's side of the family, they are they were Methodist. Um, but actually, my parents never brought me to church. We didn't attend church. Um, and so I feel like it was a blessing in the sense that I got to kind of freely explore very Sagittarius, like try out different beliefs. So I remember like any time I would come across like world religions or, or beliefs, I would just be so curious about them and learn about them. And I learned as much as I wanted to about Christianity just through like celebrating Christmas or having relatives that went to church and stuff. Um, so it was always other religions that really kind of stood out to me as interesting. The, the curse side of that then was, you know, once I was starting to, um, need more of a spiritual explanation for things or, or spiritual comfort for things, I didn't have anything specific to fall back on other than kind of a, a very cold scientific or materialistic worldview. So I feel like that's where initially I started to, lean more into the experiences with um the spiritual world um i i love ghost anything like ghost stories ghost hunting and um eventually that led me to tarot um which led me to uh rune soup gordon white's podcast on which austin Kopic is a recurring guest and you know I've, i'd obviously been exposed to astrology before uh, listening to Austin on that on that podcast, but I definitely feel like all my experiences up to that point were very much like, oh yeah, that's that's a way that people could look at the world, and wasn't even one that appealed to me, just because it was very much twelve letter alphabet, like everyone is one of twelve things. Um, cool, I'm a Gemini, awesome. And then just even hearing Austin for like one episode, I was like, what? <laughs> what are you saying and how is it that complex and how is it that deep and then learning more like oh I'm also a Sagittarius maybe I'm even more Sagittarius you know just like once you get into that once you start to crack open astrology books wow it you know like that's 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 that depth and actually a lot of my experiences in tarot and I I did experiment with some channeling and, and things like that all my experiences in one way or another pointed back to astrology as something that it like celebrated that very analytical part of me that needed to like sink my teeth into the numbers and patterns. Um, but that could also be a tool for this other side that that you're saying, you know, the empathy side, the healing and the teaching side. So I feel like that's, that's kind of where that's the route that my my spirit my spirituality took. Um, it's actually really interesting yeah. that you got into it through um, Rune Soup. It, it's almost like um, for people who got into astrology, you know, first, like I feel like I found Rune Soup after a little bit because Austin was on it, and then I started listening to other people on it. Um, and for you, you found that first, and then through Austin, must have found um, the astrology podcast and some of those other things. I'm assuming. Yeah, it was literally okay. Here's what it was. There's a show called Dead Files, and they have this medium and this cop who partner up. The medium does like the whole psychic investigation, and the cop does like the historical, and they then they meet up after they investigate. And she had brought a chaos magician into this family's home as a as like 
the way to get rid of this entity that was there. And I was like, chaos magic, what is that? Dala me to rune soup and the rest is history. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, definitely like a weird like um you watching TV one thing leading to and your whole life changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, it is amazing like what does it? You know, it could be something so simple and then all of a sudden, you know, like um, but I definitely relate to what you say about the, um, even though I'm not a math person, the, the fact that astrology brings in that analytical side of things where you can take a chart and you can learn how to read the chart and you can practice your techniques. And yes, you're bringing in some intuition and symbolism and some other creative things, but um, it's just a lot more grounding for me, at least than um, something that requires more of a gift or more of a, you know, direct channel to something or, um, you know, I just feel like I'm more naturally good at um, the, the astrology side of things um, because it's a little bit of a balance between um you know the artistic side of things and the technical side of things so definitely relate on that level when i i have a lot of self-doubt and i don't know if that's because of like not having that really firm spiritual background to jump off from but with with tarot for example i got the patterns down easily you know i know what the cards mean but in context, I would doubt myself and what I was tapping into and tuning into for for clients. And and clients would tell me like, oh, my God, you are dead on. And I'd be like, am I, though? Am I really like am I making all of this up? Is this just like cold reading? And I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. And for me, that that the natal chart or like that grounding in the chart or that that temporal um, space um that for me helps me feel less like I'm making it all up. Um, <laughs> and the, and of course it's, it's much more than that, but, but I think that that was an, an easy way for me to get into astrology and feel really grounded in it. Like you're saying. And what's the draw for you in general? Like what keeps astrology so prominent in your life now that you've been doing it for, you know, a number of years? Yeah. Well, I, I started off, um, you know, of course, Austin led me to Chris and the astrology podcast, Chris Brennan. And so, you know, once I picked up Hellenistic Astrology, Study of Fate and Fortune, available at fine bookstores everywhere, um, I uh, I definitely um, just dove headfirst into that and applied it to my chart, applied it to my friends and family, um, and realized like, wow, this stuff is powerful. And I didn't know how it was powerful. And I didn't think about consulting until... Um, I realized that this was here to stay. So one of my one of my placements that's, I would say, also a blessing and a curse is my Mercury in Gemini. It is uh, after after getting Demetra's book, I feel like I understand it so much better. You know, obviously dignified um, in the seventh house, great angle, and it's ruling the stellium that I have there. But it is on its heliacal evening set and about to station retrograde. Um, and being able to kind of interpret that through um, Demetra George's book, I, I kind of interpret that as like, I'm really great at starting projects and have a ton of diverse different hobbies and stuff. And when it comes to actually following through on them, you know, like I'm not, I don't have that strength. I have probably 20 novels that I've started and gotten like, a chapter into and then like abandoned. That's such a Gemini yeah. Sag thing. Like if you look at Daniel's chart, it's so, so much Gemini and Sag. There are other things in there, but Gemini and Sag is what you're drawn to first and it's first Sorry. and seventh house. And yeah. 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 And with that Helical evening set, it's almost like 
you know, things, things are, are really quick, but then they fizzle. Um, so, so I've been through phases of interest in different hobbies. And when I realized like astrology was not going away, it was just getting deeper and deeper. Um, that was kind of what made me think like, I, this is an interest of mine and this is something that I could truly get into, but it wasn't until I started to put things out there and started meeting other astrologers that I really realized how important it could be and started to recognize like how powerful consulting can be. Um, but also just being in community with each other and being able to, I think a large part of the practice has to be continuing to refine that with colleagues. Any, you know, the, there are experiences I've had in, in conversation and in community with other astrologers that have refined my understanding of what it means to be in a healing tradition um, and in a consulting practice and knowing that um, everything I've learned in education about equity, identity, um, helping people learn, empowering people, creating community, all of those transfer to astrology when it's con- when you're considering clients, but also um, how do we keep learning? How do we keep developing professionally as astrologers? How do we eliminate biases within our own uh, within our own perspective so that we're not unintentionally doing harm to clients or that we're able to use our astrology for um, community and collective healing? I've seen so many astrologers who already were teachers or have some kind of teaching background of whatever kind, and that does seem to help them. Like That is a transferable skill that works so well with astrology, whether you're officially teaching or whether you're on a podcast or on a YouTube channel or, or doing you know more unconventional teaching or explaining um, how astrology works. I feel like that helps people a lot because you're really thinking about what the other person's getting out of it and what are the gaps and what do they need to know and um, you know anticipating their next question. And uh, yeah, it, it, you wouldn't think of it right away, but it's just such a nice combo, I think. So um, just to clarify for us a little bit, um, how old were you when you like discovered and actually got into astrology? Like, where were you at? This is so relevant because of the whole Saturn return conversation that's happening right now in uh, 2019. Um, so I was, it was about um, just, I think, January 2017 um, that I was starting to listen to. I think it was probably like the... 2017 forecast that Austin Kopic was doing on Rune Soup that I really started to get hooked into then like like Chris Brennan and the astrology podcast got the book started to dive into it and then it wasn't until like late 2018 when I was like okay I think I can like start talking about astrology publicly and could actually like try to build a consulting business and try to think about like what that would look like I took a course from Kelly Surtees on career paths, um, and that was really awesome, not only to to get to learn from someone who I had grown to admire over the past year, but also to think about how all of these people were taking the course, and Kelly had all this wisdom and experience working with clients, and it reminded me a lot of workshops I would do as a teacher and, and education um, and, and finding kind of those similar avenues for, for me to continue to plug into this community. And so it was about 2018 when, or it was late 17, 2017 that my Saturn return started. Cause that was Saturn and Capricorn. And, uh, and so it did time out with that as well. 
Um, and that's, that's kind of been an interesting argument to think about is like, I'm right in the middle of it. So I, if I had like started astrology three years earlier, then I could have um, personally contributed to some of this discussion. But I do feel like astrology found me in some ways, like, um, and I think, I don't know, my, my personal take on, on all of that is like, when you are called to do something and, and participate in community, um, as long as you're doing that authentically, that is, that is the right time to do it. Um, as far as, uh, since you've been doing that, um, you know, what kind of astrology have you studied or would like to study? There's really so many different kinds. And do you have any um, authors, teachers, online influences that you recommend? We've, you've mentioned a few that, you know, I've also been influenced by like Kelly Surtees and Chris Brennan and Austin Kopic, who did the astrology podcast. Um, but yeah, what, 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 what types of astrology are you into right now? Yeah, so Hellenistic is definitely what I started with. And continue to just fall back on as as a, a wide base of, of support and foundation. I also uh, got to do the post-conference workshop with Gemini Brett at GLAC, um, the Great Lakes Astrology Conference. That was wonderful. Um, Gemini Brett brought in this way to think about astrology as the visual phenomena um, that are related to astronomy and interpreting that not only in the context of what we're seeing as a society with the archetypes, but also as an individual who can go out and look at the stars and have a relationship with astrology through that experience. Um, wonderful, wonderful way to, I think, complement some of the, the, the very technical analytical side to Hellenistic astrology. And the other astrology that I've that I've delved a little bit into, but unfortunately haven't found as robust set of resources, is uh, Maya astrology. Um, yeah, very very different than Western um, astrology in the sense that um, you know there's not only is does the zodiac um, base on a spiritual calendar of 260 days, but it also is based entirely around cycles of time, not necessarily cycles of um, planets, like synodic cycles are coming back to um, where things were at the same, you know, place in our year round calendar, solar calendar. Uh, so that's, that's an area I would love to continue studying, but unfortunately, hasn't gotten a lot of attention from me. But uh, I the other um, influences that I would say, fall into it are um, just really meeting other astrologers who are studying recently, uh, or I would say like a couple of the astrologers that I met early on that are helping connect me to this larger community, um, Bear River and Drew Levanti. Uh, you know, Drew is the one who uh, said, let's go to GLAC and let's, you know, dive, let's do this astrology conference. And, and Bear has been just so influential in starting and continuing these conversations that we're having um, around intersectional astrology. And those are so crucial to helping us understand kind of, as I said, what are our biases as astrologers for astrologers who are queer or people of color, um, indigenous peoples? Uh, how are we celebrating learning astrology, um, keeping traditions alive, creating new traditions, um, in ways that that are, 
in right relationship to our larger communities and to each other? Um, and how are we continuing to elevate the 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 awareness that the larger astrology community has? So yeah, I think I think those are those are some of the the influences and and teachers that I find most amazing. I I talked a lot already in our other recordings about Adrian Marie Brown, uh, um, and I think there's been a lot of other influences as I've learned about equity, racial equity specifically in education that I think really transfer well um, to to a lens of of astrology, and then. Most recently, diving headfirst into uh, Ben Dykes's translation of Abu Mashar, it is totally, I, I've had like a weird experience with it. So about a month before it came out, I had these ideas of like, gosh, I really want to know how the different Time Lord techniques relate to transits and relate to the birth chart and natal transits. And there, there's got to be like a hierarchy or how they fit together. And then I listened to Ben Dykes' interview with Chris Brennan on the Astrology Podcast and was like, oh my God, that's what I've been thinking about. And it was just this like weird synchronicity of like, I have to now go get that book because literally all the questions I've been asking and trying to come up with answers for have been written down in this text, surviving centuries uh, and now recently translated. So a lot of this stuff in... Um, the works of Abu Mashar are speaking to me on these levels that I that I just recently started um, kind of tuning into. And I pretty much stopped all of my daily posting and all of my things that I'd been super excited about because I was like, everything I know about astrology is being rewritten and I just need to take a big step back. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's been interesting to think about just the last year that I've had since I really started to to have an online presence in astrology and and to start interacting with people it's it's been a roller coaster and it's been a great one oh that's um, fantastic i just love hearing how passionate you are about astrology when i finish the abu mashar book i will have to have you back on to talk about it um but it will be a while it's a, it's a very thick book but it, yeah, there really is it. so much in it yeah yeah that's definitely that was definitely a really exciting um you know release this year do you want to share any more about your chart with us as far as birth info or just some of the pieces of your chart, sun, moon, rising, those types of things? Um, anything in particular that would be um, that you'd like uh, our listeners to know? So I, I do feel like there's so much value in talking to other astrologers about your chart, but in, in like really deep ways, because I think like it's easy to post something on Twitter and be like, oh, yeah, I share that alignment. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but that only gets you so far. Um, I've been able to do a couple really great things that have helped me understand my chart so deeply from my colleagues. Um, one was um, there was a, someone posted about um, an astrology exchange. So specifically directed at anyone who is trying to get more experience doing consultations. Basically, these these kind of novice astrologers were paired up. And then we practiced doing um, readings for each other. So that was really cool. I got to read uh, three different astrologers' charts, and they read mine. Um, that was a really great way, too, to see kind of what the differences were and what we were practicing. You know, someone came at it from a medical astrology perspective. Another came at it from, um, you know, worked in some more natal transits that I hadn't considered. And then the other thing is during that Gemini Brett workshop, one of the topics was aversion. So my um, Jupiter in Taurus 
it rules my ascendant but is averse to it and that jupiter in taurus is averse to its ruler venus who's in gemini and so um that's that whole workshop felt like it was just directed at me <laughs> and my like unique chart placements um and so i really found a lot of de deep like learning in that um and we actually got to like a like different folks got to like have the whole group read their chart and mine was one of them and we literally sat in a circle and each person embodied one of the 12 houses and the placements there and so i got to have the percept the perspective of like talking to my sixth house and like asking what it could see from where it was like jupiter could not see directly by atomic aspect sagittarius or gemini so it's just like really cool I don't think I knew about that part. I heard lots of good things about that workshop, but I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, that is so helpful as far as learning. I've heard a couple of people talking about, you know, teaching in that way. And I, I just think it's so helpful and visual and, and embodying it, you know. Yeah, it just it it felt it felt like only something that could happen with these people who had all kind of said, yes, astrology is real. Let's get deep in this. You know, it's like such a cool experience and really helped me understand my chart on a different level uh so yeah i i think like i will continue to even though i should theoretically be able to read my own chart my own transits and all of that there's so much value in having other people like take a look and um and just see what we have in common too yeah i still get um consultations once or twice a year from people that you know i admire and respect and you know still have a lot more people i'd like to get readings from just because they do always notice something that you either never thought about it that way or you never really paid attention to that um i mean you you can stare at your chart for years and still there are things that you never really made the connection on before because there really are so many techniques and ways of looking at it um, as far as professional astrology goes, how long have you been working as a professional astrologer? Um, I don't know if there's a set point for that. Sometimes people kind of get into it gradually, but yeah, I would say I kind of got in gradually, but my first like, um, decision to start charging and advertising readings was in, uh, just over a year ago in 2018 and definitely would not say that I'm a prolific professional astrologer. I still have a, a day job that takes significant amounts of time. And so I feel like more so that decision was to publicly start really connecting with other astrologers and and doing consultations too. I've done a handful of those every month. Um, and so it it is hard to balance all those things and so that that's the other way where it feels really gradual it's not like i quit my job one day and signed up the next as a professional astrologer exactly i don't uh, know too many people who did although you know sometimes yeah. it happens um are you full-time at your day job is that yeah i would say full-time plus like um i work at a nonprofit, and so we we definitely um do a lot with a little and uh try to Try to as much as I can uh, balance. One thing about my chart that I learned uh, through taking Kelly Surti's career course, um, my midheaven and my south node are about five minutes apart from each other in Virgo. And a south node on your midheaven, uh, Kelly was literally like saying this example, like you may feel like you're constantly overworking yourself, like you're pouring everything 
into work, um, that it's easy for others to take advantage of your giving nature. And I was like, like raise my hand, like, um, that's me. <laughs> I can absolutely tell you that's true for this placement. I've got a very tight aspect there. So I, I, I've really worked hard with, you know, making that decision to professionally practice, um, to be able to find ways to balance. And, and it's, um, you know, as Jupiter's transited my first house, there's been a lot of identity, like, am I an educator anymore? Am I now an astrologer? Am I both? Can I be both? Um, that is getting resolved right now as Jupiter's wrapping up its time in Sagittarius. And that's been really fun um, to think about the ways that, not not only the ways that that my education background helps me to be a better astrologer, but I've started to think more a lot about how being a healer and an astrologer helped me become a better educator. One of the biggest things that I think is hard to see in education because we're so focused on the equity of our students' experience is the experience of teachers. And we don't always see teachers as people. We see them as employees to 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 be the ones to sacrifice to educate the students. And I think a lot of the um, initiatives that are happening in education right now to to combat opportunity gaps and achievement gaps are falling flat on their face, not because we don't know what we're doing, but, but because we're not taking the time to heal our communities of educators that are working hard with students. And we're not taking time and creating spaces for students to heal. We've, we've pretty much, I, I, I fully believe in the separation of church and state. And I feel like the spiritual education in our, in our system just really leaves a lot to be desired. And I don't think there's a, I don't think it needs to be fully separate in order to have an effective um, curriculum for that. But I think it's more about creating spaces for students to have, you know, like think about the the consult environment that you set up one-on-one with a client. Think about the empathy that goes into that, the understanding, the back and forth. What if we had more conversations with students like that about what they wanted to learn? about what they felt their strengths were, about what their dreams were. Um, I think half of the, or at least half of the power in astrology consults comes from that dialogue between the the client and, and what you're able to offer them um, and co-constructing that. And so being able to to get to that in education would be really cool. And it's something I've only recently started to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, these two worlds are not as isolated or distinct as I as they could be, you know. I love that even though you are working the two jobs and everything like that, that you're finding ways that they intersect and that they can help each other. Like the emotional intelligence that comes up with astrology, it isn't seen in education enough, you know, and that's something that I know people, you know, would like to bring into it. And in other countries, we see that a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, I, I love that you're able to get something from both of them and, uh, you know, kind of make it work, at least while you're doing uh, two jobs at the same time. It's it's funny too. I um I don't talk well, okay, I do talk a lot about astrology at work, but mostly with my like closest coworkers. Um and then we do work with a bunch of uh uh college age students who are doing uh, a lot of education training with us. Um so I don't talk about it that much with them. This last year though, they've been the ones bringing up astrology in the workplace and I'm like, what is happening? So it's like an overnight. What age are the students that you're working with or 
um, these are the college-age students. So they are, you know, 18, 22, and they, they know their rising sign. Like, some of them are consulting astrologers. I'm like, what? <laughs> This is this is just it was literally like an overnight experience. And the cool part was one of them asked me to be a guest speaker in their class. So I actually got to go in and teach to a class of eighth graders about um, the the basics of like the Zodiac and the elemental qualities. And we did it very much like constructing it from their prior knowledge of like the elements and elemental traits. Um, And we talked a little bit, you know, we did a little bit of like, well, do you know where the sun is right now? Could you point to it in the sky? Do you know where the moon is right now? Could you point to it? And like just kind of some of those like basic things that we don't really know as humans unless we study them, unless we ask those questions. So it was just cool to see an example of like, yeah, eighth graders can learn astrology. They can learn a version of astrology that's like meaningful to them and and doesn't have to be separate necessarily but i don't know how many uh institutions would really be into that or (laughs) you know people are like you should teach you should teach astrology to kids i'm like cool who would pay me (laughs) i'm sure there are alternate avenues even if it's not directly in school you know i'm I'm sure and maybe there'll be more as we go along too you never know yeah as far as professional astrology goes um i mean because you are doing these two jobs and you're you know you're starting out um trying to you know gain your footing as a professional astrologer um, what have been the biggest challenges as well as like successes or tips that you might have since a lot of us are kind of in that boat right now. And that's why I find it so interesting to talk to people kind of in this um, in-between position because, um, you know, a lot of us are, are looking for um, guidance as far as all of that goes. Yeah. When I think a lot of us are starting out in a field where there's a lot of people trying and creating content around astrology, but they're not all the same. But there's enough similarity too, where it's like I started with a very, like I was posting daily, sometimes twice a day, um, just like like very basic transits. And honestly, part of that was me still just kind of learning about them and learning how to put everything together, learning how to articulate it to people and, and who my audience was. Um, so a lot of that was like very essential to me. I don't know if anyone else found it helpful, um, but a lot of those like daily posts were very essential to me as a as a young professional astrologer, and I also um, took uh, Chris Brennan's professional astrology course, um, and I think one of the greatest things in there was that that you know different ways to to think about content. So of course consistency is key, right? Like we always want to be putting content out there. But also, like, what is the content that's going to stick and, like, people are going to keep going back to? You know, we were talking about this just before recording of just, like, you know, if you do a transit for um, November 11th, 2019, cool. Some people might see it over that day or that, you know, week period. But after that, those transits aren't important to people anymore. Um, so, again, like, that that's cool. And, and maybe you're, like, learning a lot by doing that kind of horoscopic writing but that's not the kind of content that really sticks and really like keeps people coming back. So I remember one of the the first like pieces of content like that that I did with um, Drew Levanti was um, Lizzo's birth chart. We did a two part series on YouTube um, and that, you know, like people will still be coming back to 
um, every week there's a there's several new views on it. So it's not like it's like wildly successful, but I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that, um, you know, Lizzo is amazing, consistently um, just like growing the the career blossom. And it's all in her chart, by the way, uh, Time Lords. But that's the kind of stuff that people are that are going to get into astrology um through a gateway like that through like a, an initial understanding like my experience on rune soup listening to austin Kopic, random but that was the gateway for me that was what like made me want to learn more so i think that's that's that so if i could synthesize and pull out some tips from that so the first is like make sure you know who your audience is are you um for for any particular piece of content are you writing for people who don't know anything are you writing for people who do um, I think a lot of podcasts that are out there kind of are more for other astrologers um, that already kind of know and learn the techniques. And then I'm like, you know, maybe my goal is to actually inspire people to learn more. And so it's giving them a balance of both. But then the other thing, too, is like when you think of content, think something that is sustainable. Sometimes, you know, you see a lot of really passionate people who are getting into it they experience like very little return for the amount of effort they're putting in daily and just like give up and I think that's common and hard and I think the harder thing is to to really be reflective on like what's sustainable what is the intersection of like the time I have the passion I have um, and the level of technique that I know and that I can confidently apply. Yeah, I, I think that if you have a little more time or if you can get content out every week or something like that, you can do the, the daily um, you know, transits, you can do the horoscopes, you can do those kinds of things because you know you're always going to be putting out content and if maybe one time you switch it up and put out something more sustainable, great, or maybe you do a little bit of both. For me, because I work another job, I you know run all kinds of different creative things, uh, I ha I'm trying to make the content as sustainable as I can, or at least do a majority of that, just because I'm not necessarily going to be able to do it every week, at least not right now. I, I would, you know, if my career stuff changed a little bit, but um, right now it's like, okay, you know, I, I really have to um, make this last as far as the content that I'm creating, because I'm not necessarily just going to have a new one every week. Um, I, I would like people to go back and listen to the old stuff because... You know, I, there, there, will, there will be weeks when I won't have content out. And uh, so it, depending on how you approach it, I think because people really do like the horoscopes and the transits and the and the forecast, like they like that. That might be what is popular and grows your channel, too. It could be a great thing. It just kind of depends on how you work and how much time you have and what your content schedule looks like. Yeah. And I'm and I deeply want to with my content let people in to what I find interesting about astrology too, as much as possible, because it's not through like my daily, it's not through daily transits that I like really realize the power of astrology in my life. It's in like looking at a long-term Jupiter Pluto cycle and how that's been playing out in my life the past 12 years. I'm like, whoa, that explains this traumatic event that happened or like doesn't explain it, but like that's a lens that I could look through um, to understand the growth that I've made. Um, uh, on on my podcast, Queer Skies, we had a guest on Michael J. Morris who talked about the idea that the past is not uh, fixed the way that we kind of tend to talk about it, but rather 
our relationship with the past changes all the time. And that's something that's really been that I've really kind of recognized as as something I've found the most valuable about astrology is it changes my relationship to what I have already experienced and allows me to think about what I have yet to experience in a different way, in a way that's full of possibility, which is ironic because I feel like we practice a very predictive astrology. Um, but it, but it's that idea that like, even if something bad happens to me tomorrow, it doesn't mean the universe is against me. It doesn't even mean it was predestined in my chart. But how do I respond to that? What is my relationship to that event? What is my relationship to recovery after that, that bad thing happens to me? You know, it's so interesting you should say that because I feel like I've actually gotten a lot out of looking at the past events in astrology as well. That's one of the reasons like I developed a past history uh, consultation on my website uh, for people, you know, lots of people like to look forward and that's great. I do as well. Um, But I have actually found so much insight like psychologically and um, as far as tips for the future and everything by going back and looking at, you know, significant events and what was the astrology at the time and, you know, what did it look like when I met such and such a person or what happened when I had a particularly, um, you know, positive or negative event happen in my life. Um, you know, what was going on? What's the cycle? Where's the cycle now? Um, you know, what does this mean for the future? Looking at the past is not just looking at the past. It's also figuring out how to work with it as these cycles continue throughout our lives and, um, you know, finding out what was going on the, the day that you know, someone important to you passed or the day that you got married or the day that you got, you know, your dream job or um, all of those things can really give us insight into, you know, ourselves and what to expect ne- next in life. So, yeah, I, I, astrology works great backwards and forwards, basically. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I originally looked at my past in order to say, like, oh, yeah, how do these cycles work or how do these techniques work so that I can apply them to the future or to other people? And it's and it's only in like trying that where I was like, whoa, this totally changes my understanding of my past. <laughs> yes, which is amazing because just getting that different perspective can, you know, help so much in terms of, um, you know, coping or just in the way that you approach things. As far as uh, as you move forward in, in your profession of astrology, um, if this was an ideal world, do you have, um, you know, like a certain combination of different astrology things that you would like to do to make up that career do you want to write do you want to do podcasts do you want to do consultations do you want to teach you know what what are you looking for um yes all of it um (laughs) that's what my mercury and gemini says ruling my midheaven is like all of the things (laughs) yeah i really i really get a lot out of teaching um that's something that i have found super meaningful in my life um and and pleasurable like like having those aha moments when people really see things click and lately too it's been like trying to treat a a teaching relationship as a learning relationship too and and like approaching teaching from a perspective of i don't know i'm just here to guide works very interestingly in math and in astrology (laughs) Um, and i think that in in astrology for me what that looks like too is making space for for young people who or for for old people who are new to astrology to have those first experiences that we all did where they're putting things together they're they're connecting to their own experiences of the world and and the past and the future and those those temporalities 
so yeah, I think teaching teaching is always going to be something that I enjoy and feel like I need to be a part of. But then because I have so much experience teaching in my background, I also feel very comfortable doing podcasts, doing um, speaking in front of audiences. And, and I think that those are things that over time I would love to continue to do. I'm someone who experiences a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, and so like, I will always convince myself that like, I don't have something to offer in, in for speaking or for a podcast. So it has been critical to me getting my voice out there to partner with other people. And that, I think that goes back to my Mercury, really my midheaven, but Mercury's in my seventh house of partners. It, that's critical to my work and my life purpose is to is to find partners in that and I and I really don't need to be the the person in front of the room I'd rather be one of several in front of a room who are facilitating a dialogue or or you know facilitating a large circle but I think that one of the things that I one of the reasons why I started my podcast queer skies was because um, representation matters to me as well it it's mattered to me in education where, you know, I've tried to recruit colleagues who also identify as people of color. Men in education are a minority, uh, male identified people, and also queer educators. Being able to be out and proud queer educators is something that's very important to me. And all of those things apply to astrology as well. I love, love, love the astrology podcast. And I was like, what if what if the astrology podcast, what, what if we had like a podcast, but that had different representation, like what other conversations could we get to? And I think there's room for, for all the above. I think I never view anything that I do as an astrologer as competitive or a competition. I come from a place of abundance and um, from a place of possibility. And that when we practice those possibilities together and um, in coordination, I think that's where we just create even more avenues, even more success for the the whole field and for society and, and people to to find those healing spaces, as I talked about, that I think we're so lacking. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So in regards to Queer Skies, you know, your podcast and YouTube, uh, I've actually heard a lot of, you know, like people locally um, kind of talk about how interesting that idea is to them to, you know, to bring those two topics together and have a safe space for people to discuss that. Even just, um, you know, I can't wait to hear more because uh, figuring out how to interpret things through a queer lens in astrology is so important since, you know, they didn't always get into that back in ancient astrology. And um, so, so many people who are part of the astrology community are queer or, you know, LGBTQ identifying in some way, shape, or form, and um, that's been a really exciting thing to see you launch, and I think it's kind of like the perfect timing for it, but as far as you uh, personally goes, um, you know, how soon did you know that you were queer, and, you know, do you want to speak a little bit to that self-discovery process and what that was like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's all over my chart when you take a look at, like, secondary progressions and transits and but my experience was, you know, getting to work in education, like I said, and, and working with students now, students today have very different experiences coming out. And uh, <laughs> when I when I was um, in high school, uh, one of my close friends um, spread a rumor that I was gay. And so, of course, um, you know, I'd only begun to kind of realize that, that I was. And vehemently opposed it and denied it 
which then of course was made it even more difficult for me to a year and a half later say uh no i i definitely um do like boys and i actually i came out as um bi because that's what i felt at the time and um, my early experiences like coming out to people and and um asking boys out were always like oh no i I, i'm i'm not into threesomes so i was like what (laughs) that doesn't make sense but um cool 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 i'll just uh deal with that rejection um and eventually because of that i I kind of took it a step back and said, well, I'm, I'm probably gay. I'm mostly gay. I'll just say I'm gay. And so for a long time, that that was me. And, and I did not um, I my my Venus in in my seventh house of Gemini um, is retrograde in my chart and also having its heliacal evening set. Um, and so I, I often felt growing up that the moment I would get close to like a really close friend, they would move out, uh, they would move across the country or, um, you know, they would be with a different friend group and totally abandoned. So that, that was a lot of my experience with, um, with like close partners or close friends too. And so between the two of those, I really didn't date until after college when, um, dating online became a thing. Like I was on OkCupid, um, and, uh, you know, back when I was dating, we did not have the dating apps. Um, <laughs> and so like that, that, that whole experience felt, felt very, uh, even though I felt like I had a high awareness of who I was and who I wanted to be, I didn't feel confident that other people would accept me for that or that I could even think about like dating another person or another person finding me attractive. And so of course, now looking back on it, I feel very different. And and I feel like over the past, even just, you know, six or seven years, um, just becoming so much more comfortable with myself, but then also getting to work with other educators and, and, and youth and students who are going through their own process. And we have this cultural shift that's happened that um, I think it's more important than ever that we have representation of queer people in every space in the media um and more more than just like oh yeah that show has a gay character you know like and and not just even like sexual attraction or like relationships but um what does it mean to be a a woman who's not in a relationship as a character in a show what does it mean to have um a character whose gender doesn't matter to the story <laughs> um what does it mean to have a character who's going through a process um like that that isn't just your stereotypical coming out story so i think like all of those things we're starting to see more and more of and i think that those stories need to be need to continue to be accessible to young people or or to old people who are who are reaching the point in their lives where they need that liberation um so for me having having a podcast that explores that and the intersection of astrology really is, like you said, like looking at the community that I've started to find and saying like, hey, uh, there are a lot of queer folks in astrology. Um, we, we, we have a voice and I think our voice should, should matter. Um, I, I think that I'm not the person to, to talk about queer astrology. Uh, there's a lot of other people who, whose voices um, matter just as much as mine or, or more. Um, and I think that 
you know, with, with my platform, um, with, with this podcast, I really aim to elevate those voices. And I've like toyed with the idea of like having multiple guests on for an episode. I'm like, why stop there? Let's just record like a group chat and see where we get to. Um, but, but at the core of that is really that, that idea that we, we really should have that representation and, um, and it, and, and it's so much more available to us now. Anyone can make a podcast um, and, and get it out there. And, and it's up to our community to, to decide and continue the conversations that matter to us. Yeah, I think putting those two topics together um, really made a ton of sense. You know, just just if you go, even if you go to like astrology conferences and things like that, you know, we're meeting so many more queer folks, LGBTQ folks, um, so many people who identify with some um, version of that spectrum. And uh, I love that, you know, you, you've actually made a platform for it that's free, easily accessible, and you've got so many different guests and people to come on and bring their own perspectives and their own experiences with it, because it is really different. I mean, you you talk about coming out at a certain time or figuring out your sexuality at a certain time versus how it is now. Just for context, um, did you did you actually come out in high school or was it college when you did? Or Yeah, it was high school. And then... Um... After several failed attempts, like I mentioned, to 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 date, I just didn't for a long time. I actually feel like I see that quite a bit, especially um, you know uh, with with gay people, um, you know, like where especially you know like male identifying. I, I feel like um, it does take a while. I mean, you know, society did not make it easy, and figuring out how you feel and what you want and what you're comfortable with. Um, and putting yourself out there to ask anyone out is difficult, let alone in a situation where you're not sure what their reaction is going to be. Sometimes you're not even sure, you know, how they define. I mean, there's just so many factors. And then what does society think about it? And I'm just curious, what what was the general reaction when you did come out? You know, like what what was how did people react? And did you come out in spades? Did you come out all at once? You know, who, who all knew about this? Because I do see that gradual thing happen quite a bit where you tell a few friends and then, you know, you kind of go go a little at a time. So, yeah, I told my very best friend, got got the courage one day to tell him that I was gay and or bi. I can't remember at this point what I said first to him. And then a week later, I was like, oh, also, I have a crush on you. <laughs> and uh, he was like, um, thank you for telling me I don't reciprocate, but I still love you. And like, nothing's changed between us. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Um, then, as I mentioned, like, like my friends made it very difficult. But then once I came out, it it sort of felt like a relief that I didn't have to tell anyone I just didn't have to talk about it and I could focus more on just like dating and trying to like figure out all those things that a teenager is, is trying to figure out as their peers are sending them different messages and as they're trying to interpret their own feelings about relationships. Um, and so I feel like the, it became very much a part of my identity that I felt relieved that I didn't have to think about all the time. And that's one because of those people things, mostly you know, knew I, at that point. Is that kind of what you're saying that? Yeah. And, and the people who didn't know didn't matter. Um, I could, I could essentially blend in. Um, I was not um, someone who was popular in the sense that like, I, I, I had a close knit group of friends that, that knew and, and I didn't need anyone else to know. And I, 
I didn't need more friends than that. Like I was happy with that amount. So I, I think that the, the more I was able to practice coming out, you know, like when I got to college, then it was like, oh, I got to come out to all these people now. <laughs> um, dang it. <laughs> Why couldn't I have stayed in high school? Um, and oh, I had some really awkward experiences there, you know, like, well, didn't you know I was gay? Duh. You know, like, I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> like, like no one, no one teaches you how to come out after you've come out. Cause it's assumed that like, okay, cool. Now you have this ability to just tell everybody who you are. But, but I do think that it wasn't until I started to actually get to know other queer people and know experiences other than my own that I was able to say, hey, wait a minute. My experiences sucked a lot more than I thought they did. I shouldn't just be relieved that I don't have to tell people this. I should be celebrating who I am every single day. So that, that's been a really recent shift for me, but an important one. And, and something that I uh, also as like a person of mixed racial identity also think a lot about like my, my privilege in that space too. And, and the idea that, yes, I'm a person of color, but I also can pass in a lot of spaces as white. And there are, there are experiences that I have had my whole life passing as straight or, you know, heteronormative and, how do I recognize those those privileges, but then also say, also my other identities are important and the intersection of my identities are important and something that, it, and it's important for more than just me. It's not about me surviving or thriving. It's about us. It's about the, the generations that come after us. It's about um, the people that don't have a voice. They need to be represented somewhere and they need to have access and allies to to support them and and i think that's you know the more i got to work in education too and the more those pieces of equity came front and center to the work i did every day the more i realized my my power in this space um and so coming into a space like astrology where we're already all kind of different <laughs> um <laughs> from the norm um it 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 seems like there's there's a little bit more of a willingness than the general population to to open up these kinds of dialogues and well, and you I get to it been, so you know, quickly in astrology because regardless of whether you know you're talking about sexuality or any other kind of topic, um, you know if you're looking at people's charts, if you're talking about your experiences within the chart, um, it just you get to those deep conversations so much sooner, and you get past a lot of the superficial stuff of the small talk because um, you know if you study astrology and you see something in a chart, you might be able to tap into what's going on with that person on a you know on a very deep psychological level and. Uh, so even meeting strangers at conferences, I feel like uh, we become better friends quicker, which, uh, you know, for a lot of us is so nice and, and much preferred. Yeah, there's this weird trust that um, it, it's like we we're like, oh, yeah, we speak the same language. <laughs> it's just is like such a weird experience to 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 think about. Um, as I mentioned, like, I feel like I haven't had that space anywhere. And and to know that. There's this thing that unites us that's so deeply spiritual, that's so deeply personal, um, but yet also universal. And that we're all striving to learn. You know, like I think something that I love that I hear, you know, Chris Brennan say all the time is like, we're always, we like consulting and looking at people's charts with them 
has to be the foundation for everything we do. Um, we never reach a point where we know exactly how to peg someone based on their chart because we've seen X number of charts, right? Like it's always every consult we do adds to our understanding of the diversity. There are some fundamentally just queer things about astrology too, the way that we're practicing it, that, that just kind of intersect nicely, I think. <laughs> What else do you hope to bring to Queer Skies in the future? Are there, um, as far as the podcast and YouTube goes, um, what should we expect from that? Yeah, I think I'm like, how can we um, continue to invite and elevate uh, guests' voices on the podcast? I think there's such a depth and breadth that we've seen, even in just the five episodes we've done, that I kind of wonder, like, where do we go now? Do you know? Do we keep diving deeply into some of the topics that have been brought up, do we try to get more, do we try to think about other, other topics? Um, and I'm, and I'm someone who very much believes that my ideas are the least interesting. So like who also like, what's the process for choosing those topics? Like I think Twitter has honestly been such a great way to not only connect with, with an audience, but also to, to talk about what's important to them, to have that critical feedback and I think that a big dream that I have for the podcast, too, is that it's creating it's creating spaces outside of the podcast, outside of that recording, outside of people's devices they're listening to, but that people are taking that and bringing that to other spaces. It sounds like that would be a good um, space to have a, you know, a small community around, you know, like as your podcast starts to grow, it's pretty new right now, but, you know, as more people find it and want to start talking to each other about it or about the topics in it, um, you know, that, that would be a great space for people, I think. Totally. I think conversation is where the work starts and it can't stop there. It, we, how how do we coordinate and how do we really figure out like what are the what are the continued barriers that we see to to queer people thriving in in society how can we tackle issues within our community um in the queer astrology community and how can we apply that to the larger context and and what allies do we have in this work what are other healing fields that have queer healers? What are other um, fields that are working on issues of equity and, and LGBTQ and identity and health and um, mental health and physical health? You know, how do all these things combine and how do they um, inform each other and, and help inspire each other? I'm really excited about seeing where this goes, you know, because there's, there's just an unlimited amount of stuff you guys could talk about. Um, and I'm actually just a little curious because you know, I've learned about the spectrum of, um, or the, the the fluid spectrum of sexuality. And, you know, we talked about this in college classes, and I've seen, you know, a lot of people go through that as far as, um, you mentioned you came out as bi, and then eventually you came out as gay. And do you think that was more you figuring out your sexuality and, and figuring out how you wanted to define it, or, or what was the appropriate term? Or was it was it more a case of fluidity and that you felt more bi at one time and became more gay? I mean, how, how would you speak to that? I think both. I think, I think inevitably there's a, there's a performative aspect to, to sexuality. There's also a, an, something that we talked about with Michael J. Morris too, which is this, this idea that um, the more you perform your identity, the stronger of a feedback loop that becomes. But also there's this nice, technical parallel with the idea of cycles or 
annual perfections. You know, every 12 years you have another perfection of the same sign, but you aren't the same person and the current transits aren't the same. And so it's not going to be the same year for you, even though it's the same sign. Um, So it's that whole idea that like we are constantly changing and our experiences inform our futures, but also how we see our experiences inform our futures and how we are changing relationship with our past informs our future. So I think it's for me personally, where are there spaces where I feel comfortable exploring my identity and sexuality? Most recently, I would say like it's less about attraction and more about uh, it. kind of the things that I've been thinking about personally are more about like non-monogamy and thinking about like what is, what what does that spectrum look like and um how how do how do present representations of queer relationships in the public eye reinforce monogamy in ways that kind of silence anyone who might have non-monogamous thoughts um or tendencies or feelings um you know there there's still a lot of work that our community of of allies can do to support queer people in better having that representation so that we don't feel siloed into any one thing because it's easier or because it's safer or because we don't have the the language to articulate what we're feeling at a young age so i think i think it's everything there's a lot of different views on that like you know People fought for, you know, the right to gay marriage for so long. And so some people feel really strongly about that for themselves. Um, But, you know, but then there's a whole other, you know, there's all different kinds of relationships and a range of relationships that you can have, whether you're, you know, gay, straight, bi, whatever. And um, and then there's things like asexuality and demisexuality. And you can really go off on a lot of different paths. And um, it's the combination of identities, like you said, um, that really makes it complex and unique and each person you know can have such a a wide variety of um, elements just with sexuality alone you know and it changes and it's fluid and and um you know so you don't always know what to expect and uh it it's so complicated i i really you know I, i love to see more research coming out on it and more people talking about it because i think it can be very confusing to you know the majority of us uh and you're always learning more as you go along and um, finding, you know, new labels or new ways of defining or explaining things. Um, So thank you so much for sharing all of that, you know, and and being willing to open up personally a little bit, because it it definitely helps to hear from from other people and where they're at, I think. Of course. And and I that's why I think it, it matters to me. And transparently, I don't have an answer to the question, like, where do I want to go from here? Because there's so many directions I want to go. Uh, that's like a typical Gemini response, but like, <laughs> like I do want to, I, I don't know how to choose one area to explore first over another. And yet we are forced by our limitations to have like a linear um, progression of, of podcast release in our episodes. But I do, I, that's, that's something I think a lot about and think has to be a process rather than an outcome that we reach. What is our process for continuing to provide opportunities for those who have the most marginalized voices to be heard in safe spaces? And maybe one day we will have have like no need for that. That's cool. But like in the meantime, how can we accelerate that process and how can we continue to just create healing spaces for queer people, you know? 
And how is the Astro community, um, you know, tied into that? You know, just in general, um, you know, your experience with the Astro community as far as online, going to conferences, and then also do you have one locally as far as, um, you know, local astrologers, people you meet up with, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's funny because I, I do feel like because I focus so much internally, like book learning and applying to my own chart, and then like having a full-time job, not having very much time to devote to, like thinking about building a practice. Um, I haven't done many local things. You know, I've been very jealous of um, the community that you found and like- Cause um, we're in the Chicago area, you know. We- yes, I'm like, should I move to Chicago? Like, um, but no, I'm sure that there are, you know, like Ben Dykes is in Minneapolis. I'm like, oh, like <laughs> um, there are some really, really awesome astrologers who I already know and I'm following their work. But yeah, that's something that I want to get more into locally, but honestly have just been drawn to this community that's online. And I do think that there's something to be said for my, you know, looking back on my pattern of experiences, right? I didn't feel comfortable going to a gay bar when I was young and dating that way. I, I went online for that. So I, you know, maybe there's something in my chart about that. I do have Uranus in the first house. I don't know if, you know, technology identity is related, but but I do feel like that's that's something that I would like to do more of. Um, and what was the other part of the question? I feel like I, I didn't answer the first part. Oh, just um, your experience with the astral community in general um, and how that's been uh, as far as conferences. Yeah. And- I'm excited to go to Norwalk, you know, GLAC. Um, the Great Lakes Astrology Conference was wonderful. And I met a handful of people who I'm like really still talking to from that. And I just can only imagine that scale <laughs> being like at Norwalk. Um, Do we so, know what conferences you're going to next year? I'm like, I don't even know if we totally checked in. So you're going to Norwalk. Yeah, I'm going to Norwalk. I don't know about um, GLAC yet. Uh, or I don't know if they've even released. I think we tentatively know some dates. It might be changed around. There's a couple different dates in a few different places, but I think from what I can tell, it's maybe um, closer to mid-July this year. And then ESAR, of course, in Colorado is another one um, coming up. What do you think about that? I would love to. I did notice that some of their priority registration deadlines are around the same time. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if my bank account can handle uh, registering for both Norwalk and ESAR at the same time. Got to do some more consultations. No, but but yeah, I've found my time at GLAC to be so intensely gratifying i might maybe i'll just see how norwalk goes and see like how intense that is too because i um working full-time it is hard to to take time away um and to feel like honestly this huge pull to like go 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 more towards astrology and like be like well wait you have to have an income too i can't believe i'm going to three like i got sucked in i i used to like go to one a year and and then it just kept upping a little bit and of course i do other traveling as well so it it can be hard to fit in but sometimes if i can just go on a weekend where i don't have to take vacation days that much you know then i'm like we'll make this work yeah this weekend i'm going to um and i'm not sure when this episode will release so uh, mid-November, going to Sabrina Monarch. She is speaking locally, um, hosted by the local NCGR chapter. Um, so who knows? Maybe I'll connect with people locally that way and kind of get in on that. But um, Oh, so you've never been to an NCGR just... in your area yet. Is that right? Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, so um, we have some of that here and they'll bring speakers in. And so, yeah, you probably will meet people if you haven't done that yet. Then we'll have to yeah. check in and see how that there... goes. There is just something so wonderful about being able to 
scroll on Instagram or Twitter or pop on a, a podcast on the way to work on my uh, on my drive in that um, I'll be honest is like just easier sometimes than going in person to to meet people. So I think that's an interesting way that astrologers nowadays are connecting. And I don't know that's something I've thought a lot about, too, actually, is like, how will we in over the next 20 years um, connect as astrologers? Will we continue to see more in-person things? I still think we will. I still think that conferences, conventions for anything have become really important. And even if you have online friends throughout the year, coming back and making sure you see those people a couple times a year at conferences, it just solidifies those friendships so much. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like now when I interact with the astro community online, I know them so much better because I met them at conferences, you know. Totally. I think there's that that, that momentum or that like critical mass of getting of interactions with someone before you feel comfortable like talking with them what about people outside the astro community do they have um what kind of reaction have you gotten um when or if you tell them that you're an astrologer like family friends uh you know strangers co-workers you know anybody that you might meet or it comes up at a party or whatever um what kind of reactions have you got from the outside community the most common positive one is like oh okay so like tell me about myself and i'm like okay that's like one thing i could do I would need to sit down and look at your chart. <laughs> and there's like the, you know, quick wins, like the big three that I could, you know, pull out and impress them. But I'm like, that's not what I find exciting. <laughs> um, so there's like mostly people who have like a very surface level. I've had some negative interactions, of course. Um, people who, as I mentioned online, will say like, but I thought you were smart or you're, you are trying to fool us. Like, and then there's people who, just kind of trivialize it or um, kind of, you know, say like, well, that can't be real. Um, that I just, I don't know how to respond to very well. Um, I just kind of, I just kind of keep going with, with my, with my life. I, I would say like the number of people who have actually like come out of the woodwork, the more I've posted and been like, oh my gosh, I'm following everything you do, and like I've listened to your. I'm like, you mean people in your? Oh, you're like life. a friend of a friend. <laughs> like I don't know you, but. Oh, that's really good to hear. Are you generally yeah. open or private about it, or some of each? As far as like you know. Yeah. So so I have a separate. This most mostly happens on Facebook, where like I have a, a Facebook page for my practice. Um, divine orbit, I, I call it, and then sometimes I'll share those posts to my personal, just because like my personal network, I assume they're tired of hearing me talk about it. They're, otherwise, they would be subscribed to to my page. Um, but every once in a while, I'm like, maybe someone, but it's those people that like haven't subscribed to my stuff, that only see it when I post it, that like come out and they're like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. I want to learn more, but I don't have time. That's That's been like really um, good. And I'm wondering like how I can continue to focus on that. Um, and I would say, like, the weirdest part of it is, like, do, talking about it at work. Like, inevitably, I'll, like, mention something to one coworker, and now it's kind of like I rely on other coworkers to bring it up first, and then I'll go on, like, along. Well, here's what Mercury Retrograde actually is right now. And, like, it's interesting enough to at least one person. So even as, like, people come and go in the office uh, in terms of, like, staff turnover, like, Everyone knows I'm an astrologer at the office. That's um, great that you're in a workplace where you feel comfortable enough to be able to, to do that, and especially when you've got um, students bringing it up and, and other people who come in that you know are talking about it. 
What about like other esoteric or spiritual practices? You had mentioned that it started with, um, you know, like ghost hunting and being into the paranormal and then tarot. Um, Is there any other esoteric practices or spiritual practices that you're into? Or even outside of that, do you have other, you know, other interests, um, you know, that come up a lot for you that are also big deals? Obviously, astrology is a massive interest in your life. But what, what else? What else is going on? Yeah, that that Gemini stellium just won't quit. Like I'm um, that Venus, that Venus Mercury conjunction really has been for me about like finding beauty and patterns. Um, so I'm big into music. I play the bassoon and the saxophone, um, the clarinet a little bit. I've I've like composed music like that. That used to be like a huge, big passion for me. Yeah. Oh, maybe we did talk about it at the conference a little bit. But yeah, that's that. You don't always hear that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then I've always had like an ear for language too. Like that, that's another piece. Um, growing up with a, with one parent from Mexico and the other from the United States too, I've, I've been bilingual my whole life and that made it actually much more easy to learn, um, other languages. I, I speak French. I've learned some Italian. So I, this begs the question, do you ever want to learn an ancient astro language and do some translations like Ben Dykes? <laughs> you know, that could be cool. Oh, my gosh. Can you just imagine like Ben Dykes and I just like hitting up a coffee shop and doing some casual Latin translation? Um, yeah, that that's really fun to, to think about. Um, I don't know. Like, I think I think about, you know, I've been in the workforce out of college for about 10 years now and it's wild to me how long that feels. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, how how am I going to continue working for like 30 more years? And um, what am I going to do? If I had no idea what I would be doing 10 years ago, how can I even imagine what I'm going to be doing in another 10 years? So I think, I think that's, that's totally, that sounds fun. I'm also a big science fiction and like superhero movie nerd been like super into like the new star trek discovery sonequa martin green is amazing and uh, you know everything marvel like i'm i'm totally excited for captain marvel movies and see this makes me wish you lived here because then you could come you know come with us to those things <laughs> yes 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 oh my gosh yeah, I, I love finding people, the, the a section between, the intersection between nerdiness and astrology, you know, because I, I have a lot of nerdy interests as well. So that's always a fun crossover for me. Yeah, there's just something about that, like, escapism that just is so fun. <laughs> like, oh, my work is so stressful. I just need to come home and, like, stop thinking about it. So I turn to those. Yeah, and you're totally right about like, what are we going to be doing in 10 years? Because I did not know astrology existed in this capacity with birth charts, you know, 10 years ago. So of course, I didn't know I could do it as a career. And, and, um, you know, what else is out there that is actually happening, you know, behind my back? And I I have no idea, you know, that that I'll discover later on. And, and, um, and you do hear that people in our generations, like saying that, you know, they're changing jobs more, they're changing careers more. It's not the same as it was generations ago when people just stayed in the same job. I I am pretty like, I like being stable and I like, you know, really committing to something and staying there a long time. And I think that's kind of what I always expected to do. Um, but, you know, things change within your jobs too. Things change within your careers. And um, I think that affects everything as well. And then, 
you know, you kind of make choices around that. And, and you know, if we if you have the mutable placements like you and I do, we kind of figure out how to adapt and what makes the most sense for where we're at now and, and stuff and, and what opportunities we have too. And, um, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's challenging, but I'm excited to see where everybody goes with it because there are so many of us that are practicing astrology professionally in some capacity at least. And, um, and you've got some other projects too that I, you know, I went to your website and, um, and you have some things on your Instagram that looked really interesting. You've been posting, you've been making um, astro dice um, by hand, which I am not crafty that way. So it was fun to see you do that. <laughs> but what have you been using those for? Are you, you know, what are you doing with those? Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen those, those dice calendars that like have um, the digits of the days and like the months and you like rotate them. Um, but that was the inspiration for these, these dice. So it's like, I've got, three dice for well i've got two dice for the sun and so that's 12 different faces so each of those has a different sign on it so as the sun moves through aries taurus gemini cancer i just rotate that die the die um and then have another die that says sun um or if there's an eclipse i can have it say eclipse or if there's an equinox i've got that on one side so it's really just a, a calendar it could be used as like actual dice and like divination if you wanted to um different placements um or lately i've been thinking like you could even do there's so many cool people out there who are doing amazing visual representations of natal charts or, or charts in general you could use these for that and for the planets the dice have like evening star or um retrograde or like under the beams kind of things I, and again, like, I feel like I created them more for me just to, like, have a fun way to keep track of transits. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I could post these, too. So I think everything, every project that I get, like, super nerdy about astrology starts with just, like, me wanting it for myself. <laughs> and then I'm like, let me just document this for other people in case they want to, you know. I, I do think that's a big part of Instagram, too, is, like, the the lifestyle of an astrologer is is um interesting to a lot of people it's it's a form of escapism if they if they don't feel like they can be doing that because they've got other commitments or you know where they are in their life why not scroll through someone's feed on instagram who's devoting time to that oh yeah i love seeing how creative people can be with astrology especially in ways that i wouldn't have thought of and i had gone to your website and um i think even before i knew you you've been working on um, these journals you had like examples of jupiter journals up do you want to talk about that a little bit or yeah so that was something that i um i've always been jupiter obsessed um <laughs> so one of the first projects i did was a jupiter in sagittarius journal called jupiter's journey and I've got it here. Um, and it's basically like, you know, you and I just recorded um, a, a, a version of Jupiter in Capricorn. And it's essentially that like it is, you know, what can people expect from this transit? Um, what what is your different houses based on your rising sign? What does that mean for Jupiter this year? And then prompts for every month in terms of like, what are the major transits Jupiter's making? And I've offered a personalized version for folks so that I can actually like plug in their natal transits too. And it's all just like transiting Jupiter, right? Um, so I just had that idea of like, you know, what if I just focus on one transiting planet? Because there's so much you could look at. Um, it's overwhelming. And, and I did that. I got a few people to buy it. Again, it was more interesting for me to do it for myself <laughs> than anyone else. So I have not made one for Jupiter's journey through Capricorn. 
but if people demand it, then I suppose I could do that. But, but yeah, I, I think it was again, another important example of like something that I did because I was like, what would this look like? What would it look like just to track a single planet? Um, and how could I do that for other people? Well, I love uh, that idea because sometimes there are planets that like, you know, if you think about all of them, there are planets that you work with well, there are planets that you maybe don't work with so well or that haven't gone as well in your chart. So, you know, if you need some like Saturn remediation or something like that, get a Saturn journal and, and work with it on a psychological level and figure out how to connect to it. You know, my stance has always been like, um, once you figure out how to embrace each and every planet in your chart, you know, then you can start integrating them and, you know, you're going to develop more and feel um, more whole and at ease and at peace as a person. Uh, because when you figure out which planetary energy you aren't comfortable with as, as, with as much, you're probably tapping into some stuff that happened in life or in um, certain topic areas of life. And uh, so integrating your planets is really like, you know, self-integration as well. And I think those journals could be really helpful with that. Um, and, you know, you can do it with friends or alone. Um, you know, you can talk about it in a group. There's a lot of ways that those journals could be used. So yeah, I, I just, I really liked that idea. Yeah. Well, like I said, if, if any listeners are like, I need this for Jupiter and Capricorn, just direct message me. Um, <laughs> I'll make one just for you. And then it will be available to other people as well. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and just kind of to wrap up, are there any other projects coming or do you have any any astrology beef you'd like to air? You know, there's so much going on in the community all the time. Is there Are there any topics that have been floating around in your head that you're thinking about or um, that you want to say anything on? Or I, I think it's very much part of my perspective that I'm just so excited by the diverse perspectives that exist in the community. Um, I'm really anti-cancel culture. So like Twitter is actually a really bad place for me because I'm like, oh no, everyone's angry all the time. And, uh, I don't think it's, it's, it's a space that is always healing for people. Um, but I do think it's been an important space for, for elevating people's voices. So, you know, just like everything, it's not all good or all bad. And I think that, I always hesitate to weigh in on things because it is such a limiting platform. I'm like any conversation that I want to have just re really wants to be more deep than, than Twitter will allow. So, so yeah, I, I do, I do think that for me, I'm easily able to find community within the astrology community. So that is a privilege that I will just continue to like, like, celebrate because that sense of belonging is not one that I found in every single other community in person or online. And so um, I know that there are folks who don't feel that same way. And I want to continue to be a good ally and make make spaces in the community that are inclusive for folks. But I also find it to be big enough, fortunately, that if someone is really like, not speaking my <laughs> my particular brand of astrology that that we can coexist and and I believe that um, the the way that I practice invites critical dialogue and critical thought and um, I think that 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 prevails over people who are cranky or just processing things that that they want to process in in that format. Twitter's a place where that happens. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's so interesting like twitter and instagram are so different such different spaces they really are yeah like the twitter is all about the dialogues and you know instagram it's a totally different feel yeah i like both for different reasons you know i've had you know good conversations on twitter because i don't necessarily get into the debate so much but i can't but i love watching them (laughs) like i'm like i will never reply even though i have tons of going on in my head but I will just sit there and like eat popcorn. Like <laughs> this is entertaining. I'm also a reality TV junkie. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that's right. Hey, hey, there's something in common there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say I, I've seen astrologers just like really get chewed out by non-astrologers and like chewed up by each other. I'm like, I never want that to happen to anyone. Yeah, if people say something about astrology in the news or in an article or something, and they don't realize there's a whole, you know, um, rabbit in the best way astrology community who is going to speak up about it, um, it it may come as a surprise. (laughs) Um, People are definitely following those things and they definitely are passionate about those those astrological debates. So, well, this has been an amazing conversation, Daniel. Um, you know, we've recorded what probably amounts to several episodes in the same day. And yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. And you just have so much to share with the community. And I'm really glad that we've gotten to sit down and actually like talk to you so that the community can get to know you better. Um, you know, because since I've gotten to be your friend, I know that there's, you know, there's so much that um, you're going to bring to the community over years and decades. I'm sure, you know, we're all just kind oh, of starting out, but you know, there's, there's just so much more to say. And, um, you know, I really wanted to give you your, your spotlight or your time in the sun. And uh, I'm grateful that we had so much time to talk about Jupiter and Capricorn, too, since um, it's a really juicy topic. And uh, well, just in you. closing, thank you, thank you. I just wanted to, um, you know, give you the chance to let people know where they could find you um, as far as social media, YouTube, all those different things, website. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, divine-orbit.com is my website. I am Divine Orbit Astrology on Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I post Queer Skies videos, um, which is just the the video version of our podcast. And um, our podcast is on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, working to get it on Spotify, and like I said, on YouTube. So if, if you really can't find it on anywhere else, you can hop on YouTube and get it there. And then I'm at Bernal Orbit on Twitter. Excellent. That sounds great. Uh, Well, I'm sure you'll be putting out lots more content and lots more projects and um, hopefully people will get to see what conferences and yeah, I'm I'm really excited. This is a great time to be part of the Astro community and um, I'm really grateful I met all you guys. You know, I've I've made some really good friends and and hopefully we'll all get even closer in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been a really great opportunity and um, I love Jupiter, all things Jupiter, but it was so kind of you to to also um, have me on as, as just an individual guest. That's wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate all the time that we took today to record, and um, we'll have you on again at some point. So Yeah, let's keep the conversation going. Okay, great. Thank you so much. So that was our interview with Daniel Bernal, and the links to his social media website and podcast Queer Skies are available in the show notes. If you sign up for my free Astro newsletter, you'll receive 35% off your first astrology consultation. The cheapest one-hour astrology reading would be under $50, and you can get the half-hour astrology reading for $23. Check the link in the show notes to subscribe to the mailing list, and email me at midnightmoonastrology at gmail.com to redeem a discount.
If you like the work I'm doing, please consider supporting me by using the donate button on my website or becoming a patron on Patreon. There are links in the show notes for that as well. Check out my Patreon tiers where you can get monthly or bi-monthly astrology readings for $30 a month. $5 a month gets you many ongoing astrology readings where you can ask questions about your chart or questions about various astrology techniques. And if your aim is to throw a couple bucks my way, subscribe to the $2 tier and receive early access to any content I create. I also encourage anybody who has a spare five minutes to leave a review or some stars on the podcast apps or a like on YouTube. That really helps this show stand out. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel so you don't miss future episodes. You can also follow Midnight Moon Astrology on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or visit my website, midnightmoonastrology.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.